everybody when, when he walked in this morning. I went out to shake his hand. I was waiting for him to say his name. I was like, man, what the heck? And Christian was like, yeah, this is Charlie. I'm like, Charlie, what in the world? So I didn't recognize him. Grown up so much. But um, it's great to see you guys this morning and, and to be here. Uh, the last time I was here uh, visiting was when I uh, came to hear Josh give a uh, brief uh, ministry report. And that must have been the last time that we were home. So maybe four or five years ago, the last time we were here. So it's good to, good to be back and and I'm honored to be able to share God's word with you uh, this morning. And I'm thankful that uh, Pastor Isaac allowed me to, to do this and asked me to do it. Um, this morning, I want to talk about being refined. And uh, it's an important message. And it's something that God has laid on my heart um, a couple months ago during our family devotions and breakfast one morning. And we were talking about... Um, how Israel, the nation Israel, being in captivity in Egypt for over 400 years, God allowed them to plunder the Egyptians. You remember that story? And they were able to take everything away from the Egyptians, the gold, the silver, the livestock, everything that they had. They plundered the Egyptians. So it's kind of making up for, for all of those in, enslaved years that they were in captivity in Egypt. And we were talking about how it's interesting that God allowed them to take things like precious metals, gold and silver and things, that later on were used for God's glory. So taking something that was from an enemy nation, refining it, purifying it, and melting it down literally and turning it into something that would glorify him. And so I was talking to my kids about how at salvation, that's what happens to us. He's refining us. He's taking us. We pre-Christ, before Christ, we were sinners in need of a savior. And when we met Christ and encountered Christ and he saved us, we became refined and transformed. And now being used for God's glory. And so it was a neat illustration and talking to my kids about it. And, and I thought, man, it'd be pretty neat uh, sermon illustration and, and a possible sermon. And so I began thinking about it and, and writing it. And uh, the key text I want to read this morning, and this is just going to be one verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17. And that's what I'm going to be preaching on and from this morning is just this one verse. And again, I'll read it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Father God, I pray that right now you would help us, God, to learn about you and who we are as your children. Father, I pray that you would move mightily in our midst right now, Father God. We know that for where two or three come together in your name, there you are also. And God, we know you're in this place. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this body of believers, Father God, that gather faithfully to worship you. God, we love you. We love your word. Speak to us this morning, Father God, please. May we have ears that will be open to listen from you not from Adam, but from you, from your word. Help us, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this verse is very powerful. It's very meaningful. It defines a lot of things, and it should define a lot of things in our lives as Christians. The Bible speaks heavily about refining. 
In Isaiah 48.10, it says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. Jeremiah 9.7, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will refine them and test them. For what else can I do because of my people? Zechariah 13.9, And I will put this third into the fire and refine them as one refined silver and test them as gold is tested. They will call upon my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is my God. Malachi 3, 2 and 3. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he's like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit at a re as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, and they will bring offerings and righteousness to the Lord. There's so many passages in scripture that talk about refining, the process of transformation and refining precious metals. This morning I want to talk about what happens specifically at salvation in terms of one being purified or refined as these precious metals were in scripture. And this is where this verse comes into play. And I want to break this verse down into four parts. Number one, in Christ. Number two, new creation. Number three, the old has passed away. And number four, the new has come. So those four things. So the first, in Christ. I want to be clear this morning about what salvation is. What does it mean to be in Christ? It's important to establish this. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Common passage. We know this passage. Acts 4.12, there's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. One name. One way. Through Jesus Christ. That's it. Now, a lot of people comp complain there's no multiple ways and why is there only one way? It's so exclusive. Well, praise God, there is a way. Amen? That's through Christ. Salvation is found in no one else except Christ. Pastor Isaac is very faithful in preaching the true word of God, so you know these things. There's a verse in Acts chapter 4 that links perfectly to what it means to be in Christ. It says in verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's what I want people to say about me. And when I die, and people are gathering, I want people to say, man, Adam was a man that you could tell he was walking with Jesus. You could tell that he had spent time with Jesus. And I think that's a prayer that we should all have. When Peter and John were, were showing others around them the, the boldness that they had, the conviction that they had in their God, in Christ, and others were saying of their life, man, you can tell that these people have been with Jesus. They've walked with him. They were in Christ. 1 John 2, 3 and 6 says, By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. 
By this ye may know that ye are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Who's our example? Christ. We look at the way Christ walked, and that's the way we are to walk. How's your walk this morning? Are you imitating Christ this morning? Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's the purpose, that's the goal, that's his plan for our lives, each and every one of us who call ourselves Christians, being Christ-like, God followers, Christ followers, being in Christ means walking in the way of Christ, imitating Christ. Walking as he walked, according to his commands. So are you in Christ this morning? Do a self-check, a heart check this morning. Are you in Christ? Because you have to establish that. You have to know that. Some people say, Adam, I, I don't know if I'm really in Christ. I don't know if I'm walking in Christ. You know, a good thing to ask yourself is, where's the fruit in your life? What are your desires? What's that fruit that you're giving? What do other people see that well up out of you? Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. How are your thoughts? Are you taking your thoughts captive and making them obedient to Christ, as the word tells us to do? How's the fruit in your life? Some people say, I'm, I'm in Christ, I'm, I'm saved, I know Christ. But their life speaks an entirely different thing. Be careful. For those here this morning who are saved and who have trusted in Christ as their Savior, you are in Christ. Those who have not, I implore you, I urge you to consider these things. The Bible says, choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day. We don't know about tomorrow. We don't know about this afternoon. God gave us here right now, right now, to choose who you will serve. So being in Christ, we have to establish that. Number two, a new creation. 1 Peter 1, 13 to 16 says, Therefore, preparing your mind for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, be holy in your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Your former ignorance. There should be a change. There should be a difference. Your life before Christ should look different than your life now. If I were to step out into traffic and get hit by a semi, would I look the same? Definitely not. I'd be changed. I'd be physically changed. My, my whole appearance would be different. Do you believe that there's power in Jesus Christ this morning? Because if you do, 
when you encounter Jesus Christ, when you have met Christ, when he has come into your life and transforms you, there's a change. It happens. Something happens inside of the Christian. In your heart, there's transformation. You change. Your desires change. Are you going to be perfect? No, of course not. I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. Only Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life. Sanctification, the process of becoming more and more like Christ. Glorification, when we get to heaven, we will be glorified. We will be made perfect. But for now, on this earth, we struggle. The Apostle Paul said, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I want to do. That's the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Nowhere near close to that guy. We're always going to struggle. But there should be a change in your life. Your former ignorance. Ignorance meaning you weren't aware. You weren't aware of those things, but now you are made aware. You know you have God's word. You have the Holy Spirit residing inside you that convicts you, that challenges you. What are you going to do with that? Let me tell you, it's a dangerous place to be. When you get convicted by God and he wants you to change something in your life and you turn, to, turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to it and you don't obey, you're in danger. You're in danger. I spent six weeks in Uganda in 2006. Four different people came up to me and said, Adam, would you consider staying longer than just the six weeks? And every four of those people, I, I answered them, no, 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 I, I got other things to do, and you know, I need to do other things. And so I went back to the States after the six weeks. And the next year was an awful year in my life. Just a dark, dark year. I didn't obey God. Clearly, he brought four people into my life. Four people, different, some Ugandans and some Americans, to speak into me what God wanted me to hear, and I didn't listen. It was an awful time. A year later, God got me straight. I got straight with God, repented of that, and I went back to Uganda. See, God was gracious in bringing me back to Uganda, but it wasn't the same. Because after eight months, I contracted cerebral malaria, and I almost died. It wasn't the same. See, sometimes God will bring things back to you in his goodness and grace, but it won't be the same. It won't be the same as when you first obeyed the voice of God. Do you see? It's not right. When God convicts you and challenges you and speaks to you, you listen. You listen. No matter how hard it is, no matter what you have to do and give up, it's not a sacrifice to give up something less for something more. And Christ is more. Amen? Christ is more. Always. Romans 12, 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. You want to know what the will of God is for your life? Are you in God's word? Are you in his word? People say, Adam, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Are you reading his word? Are you listening to his voice? How are you going to know he's speaking to you if you're not communing with him, if you're not fellowshipping with him? How's your walk? You're meditating on God's word. You're memorizing scripture. Are you bathing and soaking in the goodness of God's word? You're going to know and discern the will 
of God for your life when you spend time in his word. It's not some magic formula. So our family discussion that morning two months ago revolved around gold and being refined. The Bible using those things to speak about the refining that he does within us. And he was talking about his nation of Israel. And he took the raw gold from the earth and you put it in the fire and it creates something new. The gold no longer looks the same. It's different. It's changed. It becomes a new creation. There's a change that happens in that precious metal as you fire it and heat it up. And there's a process that took place at salvation. And it's the process of taking a sinful man and turning him into a new creation. There should be a change. Differences in your life, again, speech, conduct, compared to your life before salvation. Should be a difference. We shouldn't look the same as the world. There needs to be a difference in your life. Again, we're not perfect, but the fruit of your life will change. John Huss, 15th century reformer, said, By the fruit which it bears is the tree known. I love that. By the fruit which it bears is the tree known. You'll know what kind of tree it is by its fruit. So salvation, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, brings newness of life and we're different, we're changed, we're a new creation. Number three, the old is gone. In the process of refining gold and silver, as it's heated up, the impurities are put onto the surface they're scraped away or they're burned away. These are the impurities that affect the finished product, the purity of that final product. The more you heat it up, the purer that gold gets. This is the process of our old things passing away, your old sin nature passing away. In, uh, in my Bible here, there's actually a section in Ephesians chapter 4 that is entitled the new life. So that's pretty easy. The new life, that's, that's helpful. It's a great place to read about the old nature passing away. So in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, it says, Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. It's corrupt through deceitful desires. Verse 23 says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness, and holiness, put off the old self and put on the new. How do we do that? Can you do it on your own? Of course not. <laughs> of course you can't. You need Christ. Romans 6, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For no one who has died has been set for one who has died has been set free from sin, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. If you are truly in Christ this morning, you're dead to sin. You're dead to sin. You're no longer enslaved to sin. But see, here's what's happening. We as believers, we who have trusted in Christ, still feel like there's a ball and chain attached to our foot. We drag it around, don't we? We drag it around. Oh, man, you know, oh, geez. You're still dragging around this ball and chain. You're free from that sin. 
You can walk away from that sin. You can have victory over your sin in Christ. He's paid the price. He died on the cross for all of your sin. He paid that ultimate price. The Bible says we're no longer enslaved to our sin, but we act like we are. We walk around like we're enslaved in our sin. We're still bound to our sin. You're free this morning. The Bible says you're free in Christ. So walk as free men and women. Be free. Be free. The Bible says cast your cares on him. Cast your burdens on him. You give that. You give it to God. You say, God, I can't, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. I, I can't do this with my own strength. Please help me. Lift this burden. Take this away. Take this weight of sin away from me. God, please do it. You know what Jesus is going to do? He's going to take it away. He's going to take it away. Will he not hear your pleas and your cries to be free from that entanglement? Of course he will. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Your whole body, your whole body, every room in your heart. You can't say, okay, God, I want to give you every room in my heart, but this little closet is mine. I just want to kind of hide in there some of the things I want to hide. And I'll give you everything else, God. 99.99%. But I, I, that little piece, I, I want that little piece. Now, you try that. When you give up 100% of yourself to Jesus Christ, you say, God, take it all. Oh, God, take it all. He's going to work into you in ways you can't even imagine, beyond what you can even think or imagine. Beyond. What does Matthew 6.33 say? Seek first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then what? All these things will be added to you. It's not the cart before the horse, it's the horse before the cart. How often do we flip that around? I do. But what happened after I got cerebral malaria? I came home, got treatment, two months of bed rest, finally healed. And three months later, three months from the time that I came back from Uganda, three months, I was on a plane headed to the Philippines. Spent 13 years there. Say, God, here I am, take me. Isaiah, here I am, Lord, send me. And it was there in the Philippines I met my wife. We got married and raised two kids. You can't, you can't write this. You can't make this up. But God can. So God has a beautiful story for each and every one of your lives. Beautiful. And how often we get in the way of it. Step out of the way. Say, Jesus, please, 100% of me, 100% of my mind, my heart, my life, my body, everything. Take it. Take it and use it for your glory. Watch what he's going to do. Put off the old self. Let the new come in. 
trust him to do it, he will. Number four, the newest come. Here's the beautiful, beautiful part of this whole thing, the newest come. There's also something happening in the process of refining the gold. There's good parts in the gold that isn't being burned away or taken away. It's just being further refined. I'm not saying that there's any good in us. The Bible is very clear about that. In Romans 3, 10 to 12, it says, No one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. We're not good. There's no, there's no good within us. The connection I want to make in this is that there are things, natural gifts and abilities that God gave you from birth that at salvation he transforms and refines and uses for his purposes. I always love to talk. I could sell hand tool picks. You know? I mean, I was like, I could, I could do anything with my words. Master manipulator. I used to sell cars. During that period of darkness after my first I don't want to stay in Uganda thing, yeah, I became a car salesman for seven months. Talk about dark days. Cars. That's where God put me. I could sell anything. I could do it. You get right with God. He takes those things that are natural gifts and abilities, and he says, okay, you use that for your gain and your purposes, but I want to use it for my glory. See, the Apostle Paul, even, that happened to him. You remember, his passion and zeal was against those Christians. He killed them. He was passionate for the wrong things. When he encountered Christ and he was changed, that zeal and passion didn't go away. It was refined and transformed and now used for God and his purposes. You see? See, God gives us all natural gifts, talents, abilities, skills, desires. That at salvation, he takes and transforms. He refines. And he uses it. Just like he, he took all that gold from Egypt. Enemy nations, gold, silver, property. Gave it to his people the nation of Israel, and they were using it for God and for his purposes. The new has come. There's a new purpose, and the things that we're offering to God now, that we give unto God, are for the building up of his kingdom. Now, at this point, you might say, okay, that's nice, I... I don't have to give up anything that I once did, and now that I'm saved, I can continue in doing the things that I was doing. That's not the point. Don't go home thinking that. Oh, well, Adam said, Pastor Isaac, Adam said that all the things I used to do, I can continue doing. I don't want to get any messages from Pastor Isaac about that. I'll come back next Sunday. I'll talk to you. Don't make me do it. I'm not saying that. You can't continue in the same way. Why? Because your former ignorance, again, what I said earlier, you, you weren't aware. But now you're aware. As you read God's word, as he brings these things to mind, you're made aware. You can no longer claim ignorance in your life. You can no longer say you did not know. You know, the Bible says, do not be a stumbling block to others. How is your life being a stumbling block to others around you? 
we grow as we deepen our walk with God and that's through his word. There may be things that you once did before you were in Christ that he's calling you to give up completely. There may be things that you do in your life that don't bring glory and honor to God. A good test to know what those things are is this. You say to yourself, can I fill in the blank to the glory of God? Can I sell cars to the glory of God? After seven months, I got to the point where I could not confidently say that I could sell cars to the glory of God. Why? Because I had been taught the art of the deal, making the deal, and telling the customer not what they wanted to hear, but what they needed to hear, and hiding some information from them. If the car was in an accident, if they don't ask, don't tell them. I could no longer confidently say that I'm doing this to the glory of God. So what are those things in your life? You fill in that blank. Can I? To the glory of God. Another example in my life, even though I'm married and have children and I'm obviously out of my parents' house at this point and I'm not with them and they're not next to me when we watch movies, I still think in my mind, man, could I watch this movie with my mom and dad? Is that weird? Could I? Could I? I mean, that would be kind of awkward. This movie? I don't think I could watch this movie with my mom and dad with me. But even when no one's around, who's right there? Jesus Christ is right there. And a lot of times, I can't say, man, I can watch this movie to the glory of God. I can watch this show to the glory of God. Or close my eyes. months later I got accepted to our organization and I went to the Philippines. That's God. That's what God does. Those who are in Christ. This is the life that we have. It's not an easy life. I've had challenges. I've had dengue fever four times. I've had amoebas and tons of different things in, in the Philippines. Hasn't been easy. Being away from the land that you know, family and friends you know and love, it's not easy. But following Christ, following Christ is the best life that you can have. Best life. Because our ultimate destination is heaven, amen? No matter what happens on this earth, our ultimate destination is eternity with Jesus Christ. Can you all stand? sinner, as the Apostle Paul says, chief among all sinners, I ask 
you guys to pray. So they did. What is God asking you to do? What is God asking you to give up in your life? What is he asking me to do? See, you listen to my voice, you obey my voice. Now will you go and obey the voice of God? Will you do that? Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that it convicts us, that it challenges us, and it transforms us, God. I thank you, Lord, that your desire is that we don't stay the same. That you help us become more and more like you, Christ. I pray for those this morning here that do know you, that are truly in you, Christ. I pray that you'd shore them up right now, Father God. Help them to daily commit to serving you and loving you and honoring you with everything that they have. Even their thoughts, they would take captive and make them obedient to you, Christ. Please. I pray that you would help them, change them, their minds, their hearts, their fruit, and their life, what they are supposed to give up for you, Father God, that you want them to leave behind. I pray that you'd help them turn over 100% of every room in their heart to you, and that they would stretch out their hands, palms lifted, facing to the sky, and say, God, Jesus, please, take all of me. Take all of me. Have your will and have your way. Empower them, Father God, please. I pray for those here this morning that have not called upon your name, that have yet to truly trust in you. God, I pray that you'd reach down right now in this moment and grab their heart. Give them the faith to believe and to trust in you. I pray that you would draw them to yourself, Father God. Please, would you do that now? You are powerful. You are mighty. You are holy. You are sovereign and in control of all things. And we ask you, Father, to send the hound of heaven down right now upon their heart and their mind. And grab them, Father God, please. May they not leave this place without trusting in you and putting their hope and faith in you 100%. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the leaders in this church. I thank you for Pastor Isaac who leads this church faithfully to serving you and living for you. Father God, bless this church. Not just these four walls, but the body of believers here that you have gathered and called to yourself. Empower them, Father God, please to reach this community for Christ, to be ambassadors and witnesses to the testimony of your power and grace and mercy and love and compassion and what you have done for them. We love you, Lord God. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.